RadioInfluence.com. This week's episode of Crush Performance is brought to you by the BRICS Glycemic Impact Research and Science Institute, a research and certification company that is helping us all better understand how the foods and beverages we consume impact our bodies, our brains, and our performance. For more information, go to BRICS-Certified.com. That's B-R-I-X-Certified.com. And join us on the first show of each month, for our podcast series, The Science of Sweetness. And it all starts right now. Why crush ya? It's good to see you. You're listening to Crush Performance with the Crusher, Jeff Crushell. Get in on the talent grid and text Crush at 101260 with your questions, comments, or smart-ass remarks. And welcome to Crush Performance, everybody. I am Jeff Kershell, and we're your weekly source for performance information. Hey, if you have any questions, comments, smart remarks, reach out to us. Crushperformance.com is the website. Info at Crush Performance is that all-important email. Contact us there. We answer every single message we get, and we may even use some of your suggestions and your ideas for segments, even entire episodes on the show, so reach out. On Twitter, follow me, at Jeff Crush, and on all other social media, Search out Crush Performance and we can hook up there. All right, today, a very, very special show. Historically, if you're familiar with the show, you will know about the Crush War on Sugar. It's an incredibly important series that we started years ago to look at not just the influence of sugar on our bodies, but our diets. Look, for all of the work that we do and all of the knowledge that we have, obesity is at an all-time high. Diabetes is at an all-time high. Degenerative brain disease, which is very, very closely linked to diet and sugar and the carbohydrates that we eat, all-time high. And we're just not making progress. So we decided years ago to start diving into this whole topic, talking with experts from around the world, and it turned out to be this crush war on sugar phenomenon that's got such great support from you, our listeners, and beyond. Well, this year, we're embarking on the crush war on sugar 2.0. It's going to be the science of sweetness with all the new research that's come out with all the new knowledge that we have. We can now ask questions that we've never asked before. And not only that, we can get answers to questions that we couldn't answer before. And that's what the science of sweetness is going to be about. At the start of every single month, it's the crush Warren sugar 2.0, the science of sweetness. And we'll be joined with Crush Hall of Famer, Dr. Anduise Allen, Chief of Biomedical Research at the Glycemic Research Institute every single month. Because, ladies and gentlemen, I have talked to and met a, a lot of people uh, through my travels in elite sport and around the world. I have never met anybody who has a better understanding of how food impacts our bodies, our brains, and our metabolism. And that's critical. When have we ever truly understood how food affects or impacts our metabolism? Never. We never have. But there's science research and understanding now that can help everybody get a better grip on how their body works. And that's going to start with understanding how food influences and communicates and works with and inside of our bodies. And that's what the science of sweetness is going to be. And we'll be taking your questions. All right. Today is going to be an introductory episode to the science of sweetness. We're going to sort of set the stage. We're going to talk about really important topics, but this is like class number one. 
And throughout this year, we're going to embark on very dedicated series. We're going to have a, an episode dedicated to food and our brain. We're going to look at degenerative brain diseases and how sugars, sweeteners, and the foods we eat are impacting our minds, not just for our health, which is probably maybe, honestly, the most important part of it, but also for our athletes in terms of performance. We're making such critical errors in nutrition and feeding our bodies when it comes to, man, the incredible demands on our brain when we're competing in sport. And beyond that, in the workplace, think of our military, think of our police, our first responders, think of anybody driving a, a big semi truck down the road. Think about uh, a mom or a dad driving the family van. Think about a school bus driver. All of this is just so, so important. Think about people on the assembly line or in the construction business. You have got to be on your toes. And if your brain isn't operating properly, man, you're in big trouble. Food impacts our brains. We'll be talking about artificial sweeteners. We're going to be talking about the history of food and where it's come from. We're also going to be talking about marketing and everything else under the sun. So today, I'm so glad you're with us as we kick off this incredible adventure we're about to have. And it all begins right after this on Crush Performance. Stick around. Find out what it takes to be a top performer. Get the Crush Newsletter, podcast, and performance info at crushperformance.com. Now, back to the show. And welcome back to Crush Performance, everybody. There's some of my favorite new music, Veins from Whale and the Wolf. Hey, you can check out their new video for this song as well. You go to whaleandthewolf.com. Fantastic band. I love their music. Check them out. All right, let's get down to business. It is the Crush War on Sugar 2.0, the science of sweetness. At the start of every single month, we're going to dedicate an episode as we start this adventure to uncover the science behind how food impacts our metabolism and our bodies and our performance in life and in sport. There is so much to get to, and that's why we're going to dedicate an entire year. If you guys have any questions along the way, comments, something you'd like us to investigate, write to us. Send us a message at info at crushperformance.com. Just put in the subject, science of sweetness, and we'll make sure that we answer your question via email or right here on the show. So let's kick it off here. We are joined by our good friend and crush favorite, Dr. Andoise Allen, Chief of Biomedical Research at the Glycemic Research Institute. Dr. Allen, welcome back to the show. Hey, and thanks for joining us on this year-long adventure into the science of sweetness. So glad you could join us. Oh, I'm so happy to be back, and uh, I understand we have quite an exciting program today. Yeah, this is a big one, Doc. You know, you've been coming on the show uh, for years and years under the umbrella of the Crush War on Sugar, and it has been incredibly well-received over the years, but we're taking it to a new level here. We're starting right now today, uh, uh, the first in an extended series looking at the science of sweetness. This this These shows will air uh, at the first of every month, and we're going to take everybody through the pathway, through the storyline of where we've come from, where we are, and where we're going in terms of understanding not just the sweetness, but maybe more so how our bodies react to the food that we eat. And I'm really, really excited about this, Dr. Allen. 
Oh, I'm so happy to be back, and uh, I understand we have quite an exciting program today. Yeah, this is a big one, Doc. You know, you've been coming on the show uh, for years and years under the umbrella of the Crush War on Sugar, and it has been incredibly well-received over the years, but we're taking it to a new level here. We're starting right now today, uh, uh, the first in an extended series looking at the science of sweetness. This this These shows will air uh, at the first of every month, and we're going to take everybody through the pathway, through the storyline of where we've come from, where we are, and where we're going in terms of understanding not just the sweetness, but maybe more so how our bodies react to the food that we eat. And I'm really, really excited about this, Dr. Allen. You know, it's an incredible uh, breakthrough in science. I mean, it's it's evolutionary breakthrough. And not too often in the history of man do we see an evolutionary breakthrough. But you know where it all started with the recent Time magazine, The Science of Sugar, which uh, really went into great detail on the story of sweetness. And if you and if you guys could get the special edition from Time called The Science of Sugar, uh, it's fascinating and. I know, Crusher, you're obsessed with it because what happened is it opened up a door. When you and I read that, we just went crazy. We went absolutely nuts because, what? oh, my God, somebody gets it. They get it. They get the science of sugar, the science of sweetness, and the story of sweetness, how it affects our everyday life. Well, we didn't really think that it would become public that quick. We thought, okay, maybe another couple of years they'll ask about the science of sweetness. But, you know, the Time magazine coming out, and it's a huge success. People are like contacting us and emailing us and calling us. It's like, oh my God, isn't this what you guys do? The science of sweetness. And, you know, you and I said, yeah. And then, you know, you said, okay, well, let's do a podcast on it. And I said, well, you're right, because now it's out there. Time Magazine brought it out and they explain how the brain works in connection to the science of sweetness and how everything is really related to humans and human health in the science of sweetness. It just is. But now that they've pretty much caught up to that, I mean, we've been doing that research since 1983 in board-approved human vivo clinical trials approved by the federal government and World Health Organization guidelines um, for every single science of sweetness uh, topic you can imagine. Every sweetener, every sugar, every artificial sweetener, every glycoside, which is stevia and truvia and those kind of things. We've been doing that research forever. We were the first scientists to bring in glycosides such as Truvia and Stevia, into the United States and do clinical trials on them. We've been wanting to come out with the Science of Sweetness story, but you've given us a great platform from it. And I'm sure that sometime during the conversation, you can tell them where to go on the Internet to read about the Science of Sweetness research that we're doing. Yeah, absolutely, Doc. You know, when we started putting this together and and trying to look at how we could present this, uh, that that uh, 2021 special edition of Time magazine really set the tone and it it ignited this fire because, you know, finally, for the first time in, I guess, maybe popular in a popular forum like Time magazine, we're actually seeing some of the concepts we've talked about right here on this show come to light, being verified, but actually being recognized uh, for, for how incredibly important they are. You mentioned the brain. You mentioned Alzheimer's. Um, you mentioned 
diabetes. You mentioned its impact on our moods and anxiety and stress disorders, especially through this COVID time. But most importantly, one of the big focuses was on how we've sort of been fooled all these years as to what's important and what's not. And it all comes down to one little one little area in that in that incredible edition that resonated with me. And, and I've talked to you about this in 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 detail was how all the foods that we put into our body, they have an impact. They influence our metabolism. And that's a real important concept for people to understand. It, it really is. And, and the way that, you know, we look at it as research scientists is, okay, let's just look at this on a, on a simple plane. Um, do you know the metabolic reaction of any sweetener or sugar or anything that's sweet, let's just stick on the sweetness topic for now, what the metabolic reaction is. So you might eat, you know, sugar. I mean, almost everything we eat has some kind of a sweetener in it, whether it's an artificial sweetener or whether it's a glycoside sweetener, such as monk fruit and stevia and truvia and things like that. Those are glycosidic uh, sweeteners, and they do have a metabolic impact. Even sucralose and artificial sweeteners have a metabolic impact. Now, what's interesting is sugar and glucose and all the regular honey and, you know, all the regular molasses, all the regular natural sweeteners um, that are on the planet that, that, that the body knows of evolutionarily says, okay, we like that. We like a sweet taste. Why does your body demand a sweet taste? Hey, ask any woman, okay? If she's <laughs> craving chocolate, you try to keep chocolate from her and there's going to be trouble. There will be trouble. There will be consequences. And, <laughs> yes, there will indeed. be consequences, yes. Yeah. And I mean serious physical consequences. <laughs> yeah. Like 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 a, I've told you before. I've 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 told women I will defend them in court. If they're having PMS and they're stuffing chocolate in their face <laughs> and their husband's giving them a hard time, I will defend them. If they stick a fork in his ass, I will come to court and defend them hey, and so, say that they were clinically insane at that moment. Right, and I get it. Hey, listen, I one thing I've learned over the years is to pick and choose my times. When I'm feeling a little sassy or I feel like, you know, mouthing off a little bit, I just make sure I, I observe the environment pr prior to opening my mouth just to make sure there's nothing sharp, nothing that, that you know, she can... <laughs> club me over the head with you know i really have been come i've become aware of that but but bring sugar yeah, and you know how you become aware in case your listeners don't know you live with four women i do You've got three daughters and a wife which makes that a very dangerous atmosphere and you're right get away the sharp objects or just keep your mouth shut yeah and I've learned, and I have learned through many conversations with you as well, bring chocolate and there will be peace. <laughs> yes. Just, you know, first of all, A, don't argue with us on any topic. Don't even say anything and just give us chocolate. That's your best bet yeah. for your evolutionary survival of the male species. That is your best bet. <laughs> There's, so, there... yeah, you're right. But, you know, the thing, what we're looking at is we're saying, wait a minute, people – we're supposed to be a sophisticated society in science, okay? We're, that's what we're supposed to be. So science starts out as an opinion. Now, I don't care what it is, what the topic. It's a conjecture, but it ends as a conclusion based on scientific facts. Right. And we are now at a plateau in the history of science where we understand the metabolic reaction of anything that goes in your mouth, including gum. And it's a fascinating topic, and I'm so happy that you brought this to light 
And particularly because of the Time Magazine, the Science of Sugar, people are calling us going, what the heck? Well, then give us the answer. So I'm thinking, okay, wait a minute. Don't people have the right to know um, the metabolic effect of what they're putting in their mouth as it drastically affects the body? We're talking about does it turn the FTO-obesity gene now? If you look at the human genome code, which I have done with the top geneticists at NIH and Johns Hopkins, they showed me the the human genome code, which actually scared the bejesus out of me. Mm-hmm. And there was a, there's the FTO-obesity gene, and then there's uh, related to that is the LPL fat-storing key code. So the fat cells have a key code on them which, that is triggered by LPL, lipoprotein lipase, which says – I'm going to put this in your fat cells whether you like it or not. How do you like that? Yeah. So if you put it in here, it's going in your fat cells instead of being burned. So what we're talking about, let's just look at the science of sweetness as, okay, you put something in your mouth. Now let's just say it's sweet or salty, okay? So your your brain, that's where it's going to start. It's going to start, and that's called brain energetics. That's the field of brain energetics, which the brain switched again. The first signal in the body that some kind of fuel is coming in, incoming, as we've talked about, is it it tries to identify the fuel by the BRICS. Now, the BRICS is the sweetness level. Everything has a sweetness level, and it's a numerical value. And we specialize in that at BRICS-certified.com. We identify the sweetness level. That's going to tell us, okay, let's see. An artificial sweetener can be 1,400 times sweeter than sugar, whereas sugar on bricks is as, as very low compared to that. Now, even stevia and any of those and monk fruit, they do have a metabolic response. People think they're inert. They are not. They are recognized by the brain. And the first thing the brain says, hmm, let's see. This is some kind of a fuel because it's sweet. The trigger to the brain. And telling it that you just ate something that needs to go somewhere in the body, whether it goes into the liver or or the muscle tissue, or it burns its energy right then, right away, or it's going to get shunted into the fat cells. It has a decision to make. And the brain goes, okay, I just got something that's 1,400 times sweeter than sugar, such as an artificial sweetener. So it thinks you're going to eat 1,400 pounds of sugar. Start, start spilling out insulin, the death hormone. Not good because that's what it exacerbates Alzheimer's and cognitive decline, um, diabetes, obesity, all of those things. But you don't have to trigger it if you understand how the science of sweetness works. So you got it has a choice right away. Storing fuel or burning fuel, and really it's every individual's, I think, mandate to understand if you're going to put something in your mouth, you want to know what's the metabolic outcome of it, and that's the way of the future. I mean it's happening now. It's happening right now where people are going, okay, wait a minute. What is the metabolic outcome if I drink a drink or eat something or have a sugar um, as long as it has any kind of a, a sweetness. Now, it can have zero calories. It can have no calories and no carbs. And guess what? It doesn't matter. The brain is going, I don't know what you are, but I think you might be a fuel. So sweet taste, and here's, here's the, the real point. Sweet taste in the mouth, not in swallowing, but in all of the receptors in the mouth, such as a T1R1, T1R2, and T1R3, receptors all through the mouth. The sweet taste, even if you chew gum, the sweet taste in the mouth 
signals the presence of carbohydrates. And that's what the brain thinks. Oh, you're going to give me some fuel. I love that. Now, the sweet taste signals the presence of carbohydrates that come into the mouth, and that's related to BRICS. So if you don't know the BRICS level, you can't control the metabolic outcome. So controlling the BRICS level and understanding the sweetness level, which the whole point is you don't want to make it too sweet. So if you have an artificial sweetener and it's not blunted by something, then the brain goes, oh, okay, whatever you're putting in me right now, it's going right into the fat cells because we don't need something that sweet and we're going to store it, which leads to diabetes and obesity. But the thing is, if you can control that and you know the metabolic response, then you have then humans have the right to drastically change the effect that what they eat goes in the body. Now, of course, as you know, for 30 years, we've been working on creating natural and organic sweeteners that will deliver the right message, the right message to the body, where it says, okay, this is sweet, it has some fuel in it, but it's not going to go in the fat cells. And that's what's coming about right now in 2021, and it's happening and people have the right to know. And there's a, there's a way for people to know that. We're going to make sure that they know the metabolic response by putting seals and markers and information on labels. So, like, added sugars on labels, what does that tell you? It just says if they added sugar, it doesn't tell you what the sugar does. Right. Fascinating stuff. And again, you know, uh, that is one of the things we always talk about in science. You know, a problem is a problem until you find a solution. And the path to solution, let's face it, is discovery. Ladies and gentlemen, we are embarking on the first episode here on Crush Performance called The Science of Sweetness. We will present one episode at the start of every single month as we take you through this incredible story of how our bodies interact and react with the foods we eat. And Doc, Dr. Allen, uh, who is the Chief of Biomedical Research at the Glycemic Research Institute, um, will be joining us each and every week. If you have questions, reach out to us. Info at Crush Performance is where you can send those emails. We will answer every single question we get. Dr. Allen, that was a great setup for this entire series. I'd like to replay that. I'm going to encourage everybody to go back and listen to that last little segment there because that really sets up what this is all about. You know, that is the science behind the science of sweetness. And you know what? It's a lot of fun, really. We're having a great time. We're having a ball playing around with this um, because you can make, you know, we, we in, our, in our clinical research with human subjects, board approved, what we did was see if we could create an ice cream that was a delicious ice cream, and I'm not talking about artificial sweeteners. I'm talking about making a delicious ice cream. Well, we did. We made ice cream that was, and we tested it not only in diabetic children, but in diabetic adults, etc., and obese adults. Okay, to see what the metabolic response would be of the ice cream, and we were able to create natural ice cream. Wherein are you ready for this? An apple was more fattening than a bowl of ice cream. Why? <laughs> because it didn't stimulate those obesity genes or the fat storing code or the, the sweet taste signal through the brain. So what we're doing is focusing on the science of sweetness because that's where the issues lie in human health and well-being. If you can't control your weight and you get obese, don't tell me that what you put in your mouth doesn't matter. So you can have ice cream, and we also did two years of research on candy, chocolate candy, making chocolate candy that wouldn't trigger those signals that, that increase the size 
or of the of the obesity fat cells. So when one fat cell touches another, it says, okay, wait a minute, we're full, make more fat cells. So you think it just stops there? Oh, no, it continues. So proteins aren't the problem. Fats aren't the problem. Nutrients are not the problem in weight management, overall health, diabetes, obesity, and sports performance, and including childhood obesity and progenitor fat cells. It's it's what the, it's the carbohydrates or the sweet taste that triggers this cascade that really makes your body go crazy. So what we've done is we put it into three categories. One is something coming into the body that you think is sweet. For example, if you drink a drink and it just has an artificial sweetener in it and no calories and no carbs, okay? That is really a ghost fuel. It's a ghost fuel because the body goes, oh boy, something sweet. We can use this for energy, but there's no energy coming. It just tricks you and it starts in the mouth and goes to the brain. Now the brain then transfers the data to the hypothalamus and the hypothalamus tries to figure out, wait a minute, are you tricking me or is this a real fuel? Can I use this? Should I burn it now? Well, the body can't burn artificial sweeteners or things like stevia or monk fruit. So it gets tricked and it thinks, wait a minute, you said there was fuel and there's no fuel. That causes a terrible metabolic cascade, which we don't want to happen. But it can be prevented and you can still have something sweet. So what we're, we're, we're talking about now is if you eliminate the problem of proteins, it's not, and fats and nutrients, right? And then what do you have? The sweet taste the taste of the sweetness. So, you know, right now, for example, in the U.S., high-purity stevia glycoside extracts have been grasped since 2008 and are allowed in food products. But stevia leaf and crude extracts do not have grass, and they're not approved for use in food. These are the type of things that people need to know. What are you? So all stevia is not created equal. It's not. Right. It depends on the kind of glycosides, Reb-A, Reb-M, whatever you're talking about. Now, we've analyzed these for over 30 years in clinical trials. So what we're doing now is saying, okay, look, we can make something sweet and delicious and natural where it's safe for a, a child, which we did lots of trials, and children that had diabetes, uh, type 2 diabetes, and said, okay, we can make natural ice cream. We can make natural chocolate. We can educate people as to how they can change their formulas where the body isn't tricked to believe it should be put in the fat cells or it should stimulate insulin, which is the worst thing you can do because that's what type 2 diabetes is about. It's about excess insulin on a day-to-day -day basis where you keep stimulating insulin, and then the, the pancreas just gets really pissed. So focusing on the science sweetness is really so important right now. And we have the data in order to be able to do something about it. Yeah, we're talking with Dr. Anduise Allen, Director of Chief or Chief of Biomedical Research at the Glycemic Research Institute. And for everybody who's listening right now, this is episode number one in our year-long series called The Science of Sweetness, where we will be taking you through everything you need to know so you can understand what that metabolic impact's going to be in the foods you 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 put in your body. Dr. Allen, um, fascinating stuff and incredible. There was a lot of information in there. And for people who are listening, uh, Dr. Allen referred to GRAS, G-R-A-S, that's generally recognized as safe by the food authorities. So it's it's a it's a it's a classification of food that has been tested and is safe for consumer use. You also mentioned something else, Dr. Allen, that is really important. And I'd like just to go back there for a second just to review it because we can't overlook this in our first episode. 
you said uh, the proteins, the fats, and the nutrients are not the problem. And we just got finished talking about a problem being accurately defined is already partially solved. And we're there right now. And again, that Time Magazine issue called The Science of Sugar just reinforced everything we've been talking about on the show here for 20 years. But the fact that we now recognize that the proteins and the fats and the nutrients aren't the main culprits in the, they all have their own story. They have a metabolic impact, but the real, the real beast here is those carbohydrates and sweetness, right? Yes. And, and the, just the sweetness going on in the mouth. So, you know, again, we have number one, the ghost fuel where it tastes really sweet, like it's a beverage and it says no calories, no carbs, but it's sweet. Okay. That's a ghost fuel. It's trickery. Okay, evolutionary trickery. Right. Um, and then you have the rogue fuels, and the rogue fuels would be uh, the glycosidic sweeteners, which can, can be made very, very sweet or moderately sweet, and that's very important. The sweetness level of how you produce a glycoside, whether it's monk fruit or stevia or any of the, the glycosidic sweeteners, have to be moderated uh, in terms of a rogue fuel because – you put those in the body, and the body goes, "Okay, wait a minute. This is because really, you're not you're not walking through the forest and eating leaves, okay? You're not going into the forest and eating a stevia plant. That's different from when you process a stevia plant and you pull out the sweet glycosides and intensify them in monk fruit or stevia or any other glycosidic compound. Then you make it really sweet, and the body goes, "Um, I don't know, you know." I don't know what you want me to do with this, so maybe we'll just, you know, put it in the fat cells. So what we're talking about is evolution is not respected or added to the equation right now for a very good reason. It's because of money. Sugar's cheap. Sure. Okay? And the other thing is that people really don't understand the metabolic difference. So now we've got the ghost fuel, the rogue fuel which is like glycosides and things like that, which don't convey any really serious caloric value, it doesn't know where to go. It doesn't have a metabolic pathway. So it's really interesting to note that the new research just out shows that these glycosidic sweeteners, such as some of the stevia plants, will take the same pathway as sucralose. Mm -hmm. Think about that. It follows the pathway of sucralose, which is a completely different artificial sweetener. And if the, if the brain and the body doesn't know how to process it, if it doesn't say, see, a real fuel. So number one is the ghost fuel. Number two is a rogue fuel. And number three is a real fuel and preferably one that doesn't go into the fat cells or store in the fat cells. But we know enough and have enough of the clinical trials for 30 years to be able to help companies create the right fuel to put in a beverage, to put in an ice cream, to put in a candy, to educate people to say, okay, what is the metabolic response? Remember, science doesn't make any sense unless it has a strategy. Right. I like that a lot, Dr. Allen. Uh, ghost fuels, rogue fuels, real fuels. These are all terms everybody needs to get familiar with early on because this is going to drive this year-long adventure we're on here in the science of sweetness. One really strong point that I think we should clarify here for everybody as we try to educate people on how to get control and an understanding of, of their metabolism and how foods work in their bodies is, and you just said it right there, and I don't know if people would have caught it, Dr. Allen, but it's so important. I have to bring it up. It's not necessarily about how much you consume, but 
the message, that particular sweetener, let's talk sweeteners right now, the message, the sweetness level of, of that of particular sweetener, that's you're the exactly real game right. here. And that's called the bricks, and you're exactly right. You're, Crusher, you know, you understand this better, really better than anybody I know except our science team, okay? Because when something's coming into the mouth, okay, it causes the brain to seek out high-value foods. Think about it. A high-value food or a beverage, whether it has an actual value or not. Value meaning to the body, there's fuel in there. So the brain will seek out high-value foods and beverages, whether it has any value or not, because it's being tricked. It's going, oh, this is really sweet. It must have, oh, I'm going to have a lot of fuel to burn as energy. But there's So you think about an athlete. He's drinking a drink that has no calories and no carbs. Are you serious? Yeah. Then where is he going to get his fuel? You can't make fuel from nothing. It's a disaster. So there has to be yeah, right. There has to be real fuel. And what happens is the brain will get addicted to what it thinks is a high value food or beverages. And that means the brain says, Is it really sweet? Then it's a real fuel. But it's not. It is incredible to think, right? And, and the, the 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 big thing is People just don't know about this. And again, that's the no. that's the whole premise of this series here right now. So understanding how foods react and how your body reacts to the foods we eat is incredibly important. Like you said, a sweetener can have zero caloric value, no energy value at all. And that could, no, it could, it, it absolutely does wreak havoc on the chemistry and the metabolism inside of the body. Right, because once you trigger either the FTO obesity gene, which is genetic. I mean, you, you look at people, people always say to me, well, you know, women say, well, if I had enough money, you know, I could lose weight. And I go, well, really? Have you asked Oprah about that? Right. Totally. If you'll remember, you know, a long time ago when she had her show, she went, used to get up at six o'clock in the morning, go run for five hours and then, you know, basically hardly eat anything. But it, was that sustainable? No, she finally gave up and went, forget it. I love food. I'm going to eat. Yeah. Well, the, the, the deal is now you can eat. You just need to know what you're eating. So when we talk about, a, you know, the fake fuel, which is a ghost fuel, um, and it comes into the body. All right. And it really doesn't have any fuel. This results in no energy created or delivered to the body brain, and it causes a complete crash in the energy generating mechanism. Think about that with an athlete, but think about that with an average human, where they're drinking, you know, um, a, a, a beverages all day long, and it says no calories and no carbs. Well, guess what? That means no energy. Yeah, you can shove some caffeine in there, but that's not a real fuel. It just jacks up your body, and then your body crashes and burns, usually having reactive hypoglycemia. And, you know, there's a huge coffee company now that's going, double the caffeine. And I'm like, seriously? There's no fuel, okay? So, again, we have to go back to the fuel. So some of the glycoside, like stevia-based sweeteners, are 100 times sweeter than like regular sugar on bricks. But there's no significant energy or caloric value. Ergo, the brain receives this neural message, okay, and that's what it is. It's a neural messaging, and it says, oh, no fuel for me or the body that carries me around. Right, and it's a disaster for athletes, for, for people at work. That's for a disaster. People, yeah, for people on the job. Isn't the human body absolutely incredible? It's a chemical plant, totally driven by chemical reactions, electrical. It's an electrical power plant. It's driven by electrical current. 
And all of these things communicate through these incredible switches and signals. And that's exactly what we're talking about here today is sending the right signal to get the right response. And fortunately, we have a massive failing grade up to this point. And you mentioned it earlier. If we look at obesity on the rise and continuing to rise, diabetes, we're at a devastating point when it comes to diabetes. And when we talk about the link between sugars and diet and de degenerative brain diseases, we know what that looks like right now. And that scares the living crap out of me. Yeah, and there's, there's a causal relationship, which is truly frightening. Um, but you're exactly right. And being in the business that you're in uh, with athletes who need to have high performance, then you know darn well what happens when, you know, your athletes, what's primary to energy production, brain clarity, and avoidance of reactive hypoglycemia, which is low blood sugar, sports performance and mental performance, which is the plane that you live on, anything really that enters the body as a food, a drink, a liquid, a gel, or anything you put in your mouth has to be calculated and formulated as a clear messaging vehicle for functioning. Right. And that can be done. Um, you know, it, it, it's interesting to note that a brilliant Harvard physicist said the brain can be reduced to the laws of physics. This is the backbone of neural coding. And neural coding is part of uh, the science of sweetness is, okay, we can create natural, organic, healthy sweeteners that are safe for babies and children and not have to compromise um, their health and well-being, but we can still send the right messaging in terms of neural coding. And neural coding is just whatever's coming into the body has a metabolic response. So it, it's, it's really the most fascinating thing I've ever seen in all of my research. But luckily, we've already done this research for 30 years, but the world really wasn't ready to say, okay, we care about the metabolic response. But now that, you know, the diabetes epidemic and Children, ob children's obesity and the weight problem and the insulin problem, people are starting to get to the point where we're going, wait a minute, I have the right to know what's going in my mouth, what it's going to do. Think about it. We don't even know the metabolic response of what we're putting in our mouth. That's really antiquated. That's crazy. Uh, hey, women fought for a long time to have the right over their own bodies, okay? They fought for it to know, I have a right to know what's happening to my body and what I want to do with it, et cetera. Um, it's, and, and why aren't we saying, I need to know what is going in my mouth and what's going to be the primary outcome of that? Whether you're an athlete or a, or a, a, a woman with four kids and you, you've gained too much body fat, it, we owe it to ourselves evolutionarily to understand what's happening. You know, at, right before the call, I was sitting here eating. I'm not kidding you. Okay. Um, I was eating. I have a, I have a big bowl of Cheetos. I'm not kidding you. <laughs> Crunchy, orange. They're Cheetos. addictive, man. They're addictive. Watch out. <laughs> yeah. I'm not kidding you. Now I'm sitting there and Crusher goes, what's that noise? Crusher goes, what's that noise? I go, nothing. He goes, he goes, doc, what's that noise? I said, it's Cheetos. I'm eating Cheetos. <laughs> and he goes, and he says, why are you eating Cheetos? Well, I was going to say because I can, but I thought, okay, no, give a scientific answer instead of because I can, because they're here and they're sitting there and they're calling to me, just like potato chips do to any woman. The only thing better than a potato chip is a potato chip dipped in chocolate. That, that's the only thing better <laughs> right. than a potato chip. Of course, chip. of course. So, so you're like, what? Why are you eating Cheetos? Okay, and instead of saying because I can, um, I said, well, you know, the addictive part of a Cheeto, do you know what the addiction of that Cheeto is? 
Uh, is it the carbohydrates? No, it's actually the salt. Salt is a high addiction evolutionarily in women, which is why women really crave crunchy and salty things like that and sweets. What do women want? We want something crunchy and salty or sweet. We right. don't really care about anything else. Yeah, no, and that's a good, that's a very interesting conversation. We're talking with Dr. Andouise Allen, the Chief of Biomedical Research at the Glycemic Research Institute on episode number one of The Science of Sweetness. We all we are going to continue this story. We're going to have some great topics coming up. We'll, we'll talk more about this later in the show, but uh, we are going to cover uh, uh, an entire episode dedicated to the brain. We're going to have a, an entire episode dedicated to artificial sweeteners, to sport performance, to diabetes, all the topics. And we're going to be answering your questions along the way. Just send them to us, Science of Sweetness. Um, title them there, and you can uh, send them to info at crushperformance.com. Um, Dr. Allen, the sodium conversation is a really big one, especially in my world, the world of sport. You know, the more we learn about metabolism and how the body works um, – the more people are trying to fine-tune everything. Unfortunately, we're missing the mark there as well. One of the big issues that I see, you know, really crosses those two things over. Um, everybody's trying to control, uh, of course, hydration. So liquid performance drinks are, are a really, really big, big industry. It's massive, as everybody knows. But here's what people don't realize. You know, everybody's so concerned about how much sodium you're losing through sweat uh, when you're exercising. Um, but to match that sodium intake with a carbohydrate or a sweetener or a fuel is an absolute disaster. If somebody needs yes. a ton of sodium because they're sweating and they they pound four of these performance drinks that have, you know, 54 32, 41 grams of sugar, uh, you might be getting your sodium, but you're creating an absolute disaster on the other side. So again, another reason to truly understand metabolism from a holistic standpoint. And boy, are you right about that. And you, you know that we've had hundreds of conversations on putting salt and sodium into sports drinks. Now, when we consult with professionals like yourself, we say no. Don't, in the regular sports drink, don't put any salt. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. You know, the goal here is making the human machine run more efficiently. That's the program goal. And how if, 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 if piling up a load of salt would, be, you know, be beneficial in a sports drink, I'd go, yeah. What, I mean, what is it, two cents? I'd say, yeah, load it up with salt, boys. But we're saying, no, don't do that. That is not efficacious. That's not the way to go to go. And it, and again, it's the same thing as drinking. You know, you're drinking a, a beverage all day long that has no calories and no carbs and there's ghost fuel in there and you expect you're going to get some energy out of it. I mean, seriously, um, that's ridiculous. Even if you have a beverage, okay, that has electrolytes, but it doesn't have any fuel, that's not going to solve the problem. No. If your body doesn't have fuel, you can't move. Okay. It, Don't eat for a week and then see what happens. Yeah. And Just, I you know, Hey, hey, and, and see what happens. Yeah, and Doc, I'm I'm really nervous about all these drinks that are out there that say zero calories, get your electrolytes. You might be getting your oh, electrolytes, crazy. but the disaster. Crazy. And this goes back yeah. to, again, uh, support in the scientific world. It's all out there. Our research, of course, supports all of that. Um, but, you know, going back to that Time Magazine uh, uh, issue, that special issue uh, from January 2021, uh, there's a whole area in that magazine dedicated to artificial sweeteners. And one of the e excerpt articles that you can find on the time um, um, website 
uh, that they've taken kind of and expanded on is it's titled artificial sweeteners are linked to weight gain, not weight loss, which is incredibly opposite of what everybody thinks. But that goes back to the work on diet sodas way, way back in the late 90s, early 2000s, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, it's unbelievable. Um, But you know what? What we're seeing really is we're getting a lot of pushback from the industry because they don't want to change their game plan. Because if they change their game plan, they kind of have to admit that their original game plan wasn't that great. Right. But, you know, science has to change. Um, like, I, like I always say, science is right until it's wrong, okay? Once we learn something that the earth isn't flat anymore, we have to moderate for that. We have to, to switch it into something functional. And, and it's particularly in your field, what we're talking about is species-specific, Okay, species specific we know is thriving in the veterinary business and in veterinary medicine. I mean, dog food. Let's look at it this way: dog food in the pet food stores now has species specific food. Depending on what kind of dog you have, you there's a different food. Now I buy that for my two gigantic German shepherds who are police dogs from the sheriff's department. And they like a, you know, they're not going to eat anything as a, the same thing as a rat terrier. Why haven't we switched that to humans? Right. Why don't we switch species specific to sport specific? So if you take an elephant, does an elephant eat the same thing as a jaguar? Doc, no. I, yeah, I love this. Does a koala, does a koala who sits there and eats leaves all day eat the same thing as a racehorse? They're two different things. And because the brain is both analog and digital, according to NIH and MIT and myself, our research, that what we need is sports-specific drinks for athletes. So if you're a long-distance runner, you don't need the same drink as a golfer or a bodybuilder or a powerlifter who basically just stands there. Those are two different kind of animals. There's moving animals and animals that burn a lot of fuel and different kinds of fuel, various fuels for energy potential. And we really have to take that into account in creating sports-specific drink, which you right now are the leading expert on, sports-specific drinks and why it matters. Yeah, I'm so excited about this part of our research here and actually getting those solutions out to people. And, and it runs a little bit deeper than this. First off, Dr. Allen, I love the idea of the species. As you mentioned, the dog food industry, they've got it down already. Different types of dog food for different types of dogs. It makes total sense. And and, and what you said resonates beyond loud and clear here a golfer cannot not only does not need the same type of fuel and and energy that an endurance athlete has it's actually detrimental to that golfer it's like if the endurance athlete were to drink a product made for a golfer that endurance athlete wouldn't have a lot of success but let's clarify this for everybody as we sort of set the stage for understanding metabolism it is not as simple as just putting less carbohydrates or less sweetener in there. That is not how this complex machine works. We have to be very strategic in how we calibrate that. And that's been one of the missing marks here so far in the entire industry. And it's one of the reasons that we just have to do this series called The Science of Sweetness that's going to take us over the course of this entire year to dig down deep and cover some really, really important topics. Today, we are, of course, setting the tone. This is episode number one as we kick off the crush war on sugar 2.0 the science of sweetness 
Hold on over the break, everybody, as we continue to set the stage for the Crush Science of Sweetness right after this on Crush Performance. This week's episode of Crush Performance is brought to you by the BRICS Glycemic Impact Research and Science Institute. Everything we eat and drink impacts our bodies in some way. No matter if it's low fat or high fat, high protein or no protein, a carbohydrate, a sugar, an artificial sweetener, added sugar or no sugar. No matter what we consume, there's a metabolic response that impacts our bodies in some way. Don't you think it's time we better understood what that impact might be? That's the mission and the passion of the BRICS Glycemic Impact Research and Science Institute. They're a research and certification company dedicated to helping us all better understand how the foods and beverages we consume affect us all. And not only are they dedicated to educating us on the foods we eat, they're on a mission to help food companies create and or reformulate any edible product by providing independent investigations and verification in order to identify blood sugar and metabolic impact of a nutraceutical, pharmaceutical, food or beverage, sugar sweetener, or biosweetener for claims and FDA label substantiation. It's very important work. We're proud to have the BRICS Glycemic Impact Research and Science Institute supporting the Crush War on Sugars Science of Sweetness series. Each month, we've dedicated an entire episode to our Science of Sweetness series where we'll be investigating and attacking some of the most important questions concerning the foods we eat and how they impact our bodies, our brains, and our performance. For more information, go to bricks-certified.com. That's bricks, B-R-I-X-certified.com. And if you're a company looking to up your game and produce and supply better products, Click on the client application form and let's all work together to create better foods, supplements, pharmaceuticals, sugars, and sweeteners for everybody. And be sure to join us on the first show of each month as we roll out our Science of Sweetness series right here on Crush Performance. Let's get back to it right now. You're listening to Crush Performance with Jeff Crushell. Get the Crush podcast, newsletter, and performance links at crushperformance.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Crush Performance, everybody. Hey, if you want to get in touch with us, reach out. Crushperformance.com is the website. Info at Crush Performance is our email. Questions, comments, smart remarks, and most importantly, the questions. If you have anything you want us to discuss or if you have a question or need some information regarding the science of sweetness, get us your questions. Just write to us. Info at Crush Performance in the subject. Put science of sweetness question and we'll get back to you either via email or we'll answer your question on one of our episodes. Again, we are going to be airing the science of sweetness at the start of every single month. We've got so much to cover here. Let's get back to it. We're joined again by Crush Hall of Famer, Dr. Andouise Allen, Chief of Biomedical Research at the Glycemic Research Institute. Dr. Allen, thanks for hanging on over the break. And, you know, as we talk about all of this stuff, the science of sweetness, I cannot not get to the sports side of it because that's just our wheelhouse here on the show. It's what I do. And, you know, a lot of the things that we talk about for the general public and general health, of course, come from the sporting world. It's so monitored. It's so measured. And this is no different. And if there's one thing that we've talked about on the show before that really resonates and, and runs in parallel with this conversation and the science of sweetness, it's the fact that not all athletes are the same. 
not all sports require the same amount of energy. You don't fuel a golfer like a basketball player or a baseball player like a soccer player, or at least you shouldn't. And that's a really important part of the science of sweetness conversation. Not all athletes are the same. Not all sports have the same demands and you cannot fuel them the same. And if you do, it's a catastrophe. Boy, are you right. Boy, are you correct. And, you know, people in the sports industry are really glomming onto this. But it, it could be somebody who's in sport, but the, the same principle occurs to the average person. Sure. So really what we're looking at, okay, the brain encodes information in order to perform a different task. And it relies on the form of fuel delivered from the mouth to the brain body. And that information highway provides energy for performance, whether you're just picking up your kids from school or whether you're running a marathon. And the actual way that that works, the nutrient and the co-nutrient burn rate has to be considered whether you're something – it's a beverage or an edible. So for every molecule of dietary carbohydrate consumed, the ATB conversion differs as well as the burn rate. Okay, and that's different than the calories burned for heart rate. These are the kind of, this is the kind of science that we have to incorporate into what are you putting in my mouth and what, it's, what is it going to do? And that's kind of what we're calling it is coding, uh, neural coding, because we're drawing on scientific principles to produce an advanced class of outcome-directed, orally ingested, coded foods and beverages. So to code it doesn't, you know, it's like, okay, I used to call it an edible computer chip, that that was kind of scary to people. You know, and I told you they have, we had people who wanted to wear aluminum foil hats, and that yeah. didn't work out so well. Right. So we gave up on calling it edible computer chips. But it, it basically is that depending on what kind of an animal you are, whether you're a housewife and you don't get a lot of exercise and you really don't want to store fat or you're an elite athlete, you still have to have a the, the real the specific type of fuel and sugar and sweetener that you should be able to say okay if I drink or eat this I know it's it, I know the metabolic response and the outcome that's what's going to happen in the future and it's happening right now and you know Crusher you're a big part of that and you've always been a proponent of of coated foods and you know we we created a one of the first things we ever did was created a drink. For golfers, yeah. and the PGA tournament, the man, the Masters tournament came to us and said, and the vice president of Spalding came and said, "Hey, Doc, can can you guys over there? Can you researchers make us a golf drink that won't make us have reactive high glycemia? Because we're drinking drinks that runners drink, and we're getting you know low blood sugar and blood sugar crashes." I said, "Sure." So we made them a drink, and they broke world records for or for you know a hole-in-one, et cetera, because they had better cognitive function. Yeah. Now, as you know, we've been working for two years on a gamer's drink that will that will give them the right cognitive function for them playing games, and that's backed up by functional MRIs. We're not joking around. Yeah. Uh, but the, the, the end result to the, to the public is, okay, what is this particular sugar or sweetener doing to my body? And that's one of the things we want to elucidate in the science of sweetness. We're going to go over every sugar and sweetener on the face of the earth, and we're going to tell you what the metabolic outcome is. So please, you know, ask us some questions. I'd love to have some questions from, you know, from your audience that says, okay, can you explain, you know, why this works or how this is or why we care? So as you said earlier, we'd really love some questions so we can discuss a strategy with for people. Yep, no question about it. The science of sweetness is going to continue. This is episode number one. Ladies and gentlemen, I know this has been an absolute 
Science of Sweetness download today. So much information and actually pretty quite quickly, you can go back and listen to this. We're going to have a special page set up for the Science of Sweetness. All the episodes will be there. You can follow us for the entire year. A lot of the topics are going to be driven by your questions. Just simply write to us in Fort Crush Performance. In the subject, put Science of Sweetness question and we will make sure that we address your question on- online or on the radio show for without question. Uh, Dr. Allen, in that last little bit there, Uh, I'm so glad you brought up a couple of major points. These are going to be exclusive episodes down the road as the science of sweetness uh, unravels, but we will be talking more extensively about burn rate. Some of our listeners might have picked up that you actually said that. That is one of the most incredible things that that is going to hit the hit the surface here when we understand metabolism, that burn rate right alongside bricks, which is the sweetness levels. And it all comes down to that word you followed up with coding. Coding, 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 and ultimately that just means sending the right messages. That's where we're at right now, ladies and gentlemen, and it can't be more exciting, Dr. Allen. I'm telling you, this is the most fun I've ever had. You know, we we do some hardcore clinical trials and things like that, and I can't say that, you know, sucking blood out of people all day long is really fun. Uh, It's really interesting. I'll tell you what the funniest thing I've ever seen. In our human subjects, if you know, and we get a lot of them from university and, and things like that. We, you know, we pull we we pull our our human subjects for the trials. And if if a guy comes in, he's this big bulky guy, and he's probably a bodybuilder or a football player or something. Those are the guy when you get the needle out, they're going down. They're <laughs> like, oh no, oh no. And then you get these tiny women coming in there, you know, who weigh 110 pounds, and like they don't care if we have to carry the needle in. They're like, yeah, stick it in there. We don't care. But it's by it's by drawing blood and looking at that blood and understanding. Wait a minute, did we did we affect the G protein taste detectors? Did we we affect the the heterodimer uh, taste receptors in the mouth and tongue? But all of that comes down to what is the food doing to our body? And that's what people know. So we're going to tell them every sugar and every sweetener. And and it's a metabolic response. And I think people have the right to demand that metabolic response. Ladies and gentlemen, as you follow us through this entire year, metabolic response, um, things like burn rate index, BRICS levels, uh, this is all brought to brought to you, our great partners. Of course, Dr. Andrews Allen, uh, Chief Biomedical Research at the Glycemic Research Institute, and all the good people at the BRICS Glycemic Impact Research and Science Institute in Atlanta, Georgia, who are now driving a lot of this research. But not only that, their boots on the ground trying to get people uh, the information they need to really understand this metabolic response. We have an incredible team here. And Dr. Allen, I have to say, you know, um, over the years, we've talked to a lot of people in the nutrition world. There is nobody that I would rather go on this adventure with. And I know for our, our audience, I'll speak for them as well, because every time you're on the show, uh, I know I know how passionate people get about what they eat. Uh, there's nobody that I would rather take this uh, this this adventure on than, than you as we embark on this Science of Sweetness series here. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. And here's what I know about you. You are the most curious human that we've ever met. And I've said before <laughs> on our calls, you drive us crazy, all right? And go, oh, my God, he's on the phone, and he wants to know, and this is his question. Based on the input it receives, even confusing input, the brain tries to make a determination from the master advisors and neurons. Now, can you go into detail? And we're all going, oh, no, I don't want to take that call. Who's taking it? And then he goes, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want answers. Says, I don't. Right, Jeff Cachel says, I want to know now. 
<laughs> I want answers. Well, I could tell you this, honestly, I come by it honestly on two fronts though. And, and you and I have talked about this um, in, in depth. So as you mentioned earlier in the show, as the show started, I have three daughters, my wife, three daughters, a couple beautiful dogs. We got cats, we got birds, we got everything in this house. Um, but we have three beautiful daughters and three incredibly different daughters. We eat fairly well. We're not, we're not crazy about our diet. We're just incredibly responsible with our diet based on what we know. All of our girls, every single one of those girls, I'm proud to say, before they pick anything off the shelf, they're looking at how much added sugar is in. And that's from listening to you and me, Dr. Allen. But isn't it interesting that in a house that has very, you know, I'm not going to say again, we're, we're not crazy about food. We're just really, really responsible. We have three absolutely different body types, different species, as you mentioned. We've got we've got all three body types here. And, and you know, when we sit down and eat a family meal, I look at my girls, I go, hey, when that food goes in, uh, it's going to be it's going to react or it's going to be processed and interact with that body very differently in each one of those girls. I see the same yeah. thing. I see the same thing with my athletes, our Ironman triathletes, our baseball players, our pro hockey players, our pro football players. And in football, the quarterback, the wide receivers, the running backs, and of course, our gigantic offensive and defensive linemen, right? It's all so incredibly fascinating. It, it is. And really, you know, if you look at some of these football players, you know, and I'm forced to watch football, but okay, I watch it. And, it, and now I like it. I really like it. All right, but you look at some of these guys. All right, what are the guys called that, that are gigantic and they have a lot of body fat and they'll take you down? Like, they're like a brick wall. What are those called? That's the offensive defensive linemen, the, man's, the okay. monsters guarding, guarding the, guarding okay, the, the entrance. the monster guarders. Yeah. And I, I'm like, wait a minute. This dude has a lot of body fat, and yet he's like a brick wall. I mean, he can run. It's, it's amazing to me. And yet you'll see, you know, the quarterback, and he has, like, very low body fat. But uh, you brought up a good point. Now, genetically, it's the same mother and father. It's you and your wife, yep. okay, your lovely wife. And now you've got three daughters, and they're all different body types. Which is crazy. You got the ectomorph. Now, each one of those body types is going to respond differently to foods and sugars and sweeteners. So the, the your youngest daughter burns at a very high rate, a very fast rate. But you know, and but you you look at the other daughters, and they have a completely different body type. But it's the same genetic pool of you and your wife. Yeah, it's fascinating. And again, another episode that we'll be doing throughout this year, ladies and gentlemen, will be based on epigenetics, how we've gotten to where we are and how our genes really operate in response to our diet and our environment as well. It's incredibly fascinating, Dr. Allen. And and it's the same it's the same process with anybody out there, whether we're talking about, you know, the people working on the construction site or the paving crew. And I've I've spoken to some people I've worked in the sawmills and the pulp mills, uh, raising money, working in the summers to get money for for school you know and i've also been around all these pro athletes um you know they're all it doesn't matter what vocation they're in they're all elite high performers in what they do and that's important to understand you know we're a lot of our references are going to be our elite athletes and that's just to learn from them because everything's so measured but it applies to everybody on this planet you ain't kidding and here's what you know this again we're not respecting the evolution of man, and right. that's kind of sad. I don't like that. I think that our, our, our evolution has to be respected. But, yeah, you're, you're totally right. And what's so dramatic about that is we're looking at gamers who sit in a chair in their mother's basement most of the time 
waiting for the meatloaf that their mom's going to cook. I mean, not all of them, but okay. Right. And they haven't saw moved that on a movie. in eight hours. Right. They haven't moved in eight hours. Right. No, it's true. They have not moved. Now, the mother's going to bring them down mashed potatoes and meatloaf, and they're still not going to move. Right. And they're sitting there drinking God knows what, you know, caffeine. And we're saying, look, you're not, you're not a moving animal. You're not moving. But their cognitive, the use of their cognitive function is extremely high. So the body isn't moving, right? But the brain uses more fuel than any, and it's more important than any other organ for fuel use, okay? So their brain is moving at a highly accelerated rate. The, the glial cells, the neurons are speeding. And so the better the player they are, the, the faster their glial cells move. That was Einstein. That's why he was such a genius. His glial cells were, were just super, super um, conductors. They were, that was just genetics and his own pushing of the science going into science, where he could have been a plumber, but, you know, he decided to go for science. His glial cells were amazing. So we're looking at these gamers, and we're looking at their brains, and we're going, wait a minute. They're using a massive amount of fuel through the brain. But they're drinking a beverage that has no calories, no carbs, and they go, yeah, it's all calorie-free. It's, you know, just uh, there's no – and I go, but your brain needs the fuel. What are you doing to yourself? Right. How can you be a class A uh, world-class gamer if you're not giving the mechanism, which is your brain, the ability to learn? Now, don't forget that without that fuel, your brain can't learn the game. It can't learn it fast. And it can't learn it completely. So if you play a game and you go, wow, I did this before. I need to remember that and do that again. But if you're not putting any fuel in, your analog digital brain goes, guess what, buddy? You ain't feeding me. I'm not helping you. Absolutely. Or even on uh, maybe on another scale. And we will have an entire episode dedicated to eSport and that type of work because it's fascinating. And the work we've done there over the last year is incredible. Here, I'll put a shot across the bow. Hey, eSport gamers across the world, we're coming to support you. We are on our way. We're on our way to support you the right way. Because, Dr. Allen, it's not just the fact that they're they're consuming, you know, these, these, these drinks that may or may not be fueling their brain. Uh, getting back to our species kind of conversation, a gamer cannot be consuming the same type of beverage, carbohydrates, drink, fuel that a, an endurance runner or even a football player would use. Oh, no, no. Cause it's a tragedy. It's a tragedy in his brain. Right. And his brain is going to determine how, how good he, how well he plays the games. Yeah. So when I explain this to gamers and I show them the MRI, functional MRI, and I go, look, your brain needs a certain kind of fuel because you're not moving, but your brain is going 100 miles an hour, and where's the fuel? Where are, Where's the fuel for your brain, which is the most important fuel that you will put in your body and at any given time? Yeah. Yeah, one of the interesting things we found with our uh, key code fuel, Dr. Allen, as we uh, get it into the baseball world. And, you know, it's interesting because we have a group of lawyers who have, uh, you know, they're, they're recreational ball players, ex-pro players. Um, so we actually had them as part of our testing group for the uh, baseball drink. And um, it's they started using, you know, that afternoon lull that everybody used to, you know, oh, grab yeah. some caffeine oh, and get it. It's, get actually, all... it's actually hypoglycemia. Right. Right. And, and listen, no so fuel, no fuel. Right. So they got into that afternoon crash and they said, look, nobody's drinking caffeine or energy drinks anymore. Everybody's hopping in and, and getting the key code fuel. It's a baseball. But they just said the alertness, the alertness that they have now uh, just from the proper fuel, the in inputting the proper 
proper fuel system. It's fascinating to me. I'll tell you what. If the wrong – again, let's look at species-specific, okay? If the wrong fuel goes in your brain, if you're a truck driver and you're not really moving, but you're – you better be alert, right? Are you going to hit the bridge? Mario Andretti. So so that – absolutely. Who's a client of mine? Um, And that's a whole other story which we need to tell at some point because it's very amusing. Yeah. But – you know, the, the you know, these guys are going to 220 miles an hour, and they couldn't figure out why they were malfunctioning or getting foggy. And I said, because your fuel is wrong. You cannot take a gamer or, you know, even though what, you know, what the race cars driver do, that's really intense. But it's using up so much fuel in the brain, and all they're doing is, you know, is, is, is totally uh, defunctioning that utilization of the brain, which is so important. So you can't get away from it. If somebody's driving a truck and then they're drinking caffeine and then their blood sugar punches down and they get, you know, they lose cognitive function. Well, if you're driving a truck or whether you're going 220 miles an hour in a race car, it, the, 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 the conclusion is not good if you're going to get foggy. So the brain demands fuel all day long. Um, and it demands the right kind of fuel. But, okay, what is the right kind of fuel? It depends on what species you are. So there's like a general – we can go over, you know, we will in the science of sweetness, the generality of sugars and sweeteners and what they do and, you know, how to make your body perform at its highest function. We're going to go into all that and explain that so people have a good understanding of what kind of a species am I, what do I need to do, where you know that if you're driving a truck is not the same um, – as, a, as even a gamer or somebody who's running a marathon. Right. Absolutely, Dr. Allen. And but the that... brain still comes first. It don't matter. Yeah. So if you don't give the brain fuel, remember there's the ghost fuel, the rogue fuel, and the real fuel. Yeah. We will do a summary of this show because we've really, really set the stage, Dr. Allen, and we are out of time for episode number one here. But I think we've covered everything we needed to cover here and a lot more to set everybody up for for this great adventure we're going to have talking about the science of sweetness. So listen, Dr. Allen, as we wrap up this first episode, um, any closing remarks? Again, at the start of every single month, we'll be doing a Science of Sweetness episode with Dr. Allen. We'll be addressing all of these incredible topics. You can look for the outline. It'll be coming soon. Um, and of course, you can write to us, Info Crush Performance, with any questions you might have. Dr. Allen, thanks so much for today. Any closing uh, sort of comments or thoughts as, as we wrap up this episode number one? Yeah, I think it's really important, and it's fun. It's really a lot of fun to do this and to learn about how your body works and your brain works so you can get the most functionality out of every day so that your body will will hold up for a long time without being bombarded with ingredients that stimulate insulin, which, as I said, is a death hormone. I think just to educate people, and I, I, and I want people to get back to us and let us know what things interest them. What would they like us to talk about? What thing do they want explained? Um, and, and really key coding in not just sports-specific drinks, but in sports-specific sugars and things is the way of the future. Because when you have a choice of one of three fuels, you want to go with one that has a key-coded reaction to it. And that's really – it's really possible to do. It's feasible, and we're doing it right now. And, you know, Jeff Kershaw can give you an explanation of his key-coded fuel that he gives to baseball players, which works exquisitely well. So we're broadening out into different athletic functions, whether it's football or gamers. I mean, gamers is, you know, it's being considered, you know, well, I think an Olympic sport, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. You are right. Have the right. Yeah. So that people can make a better decision and understand 
what the metabolic impact, and that's the bottom line, what is the metabolic impact of what you're putting in your body? And is that serving you well? Is it serving you well? Is it making you run at a high functionality, or is it slowing you down? Is it causing you to have too much body fat? Is it causing you to crash and burn? And how you can avoid those pitfalls by what's going in your mouth. Absolutely. For moms, for dads, for students, for everybody out there who's dealing with weight problems, this is going to be critical important conversations as we move forward. Dr. Allen, listen, what a way to kick off. I got to thank you so much for today and I can't wait for our next episode. Thanks so much for doing this. Oh, it's a blast. It's always fun working with you. There you go, everybody. Episode number one of the Crush Science of Sweetness. It is the Crush War on Sugar 2.0. Again, get us your questions. We're going to be airing the Science of Sweetness at the start of every single month, and we'll be posting them, of course, in a very special place on our new upcoming website. So stay tuned for that. Have to thank Dr. Allen. She'll be joining us every single month. There's nobody better. Ladies and gentlemen, I have been around the business for a long time, and I have talked to a lot of people But there is nobody who has a more complete knowledge of chemistry and metabolism and metabolic response than Dr. Andouise Allen. And that's why she's going to be our go-to expert here as we wade through all of the hot topics. We'll be talking about artificial sweeteners. We'll be talking about the brain game. We'll be talking about diabetes, brain disease, and the impact that food is having on our health. We'll be talking about sport performance, and we'll be talking about specific sports. We'll be talking about youth. We'll be talking about our older populations. We'll be talking about how food is impacting us from every single angle and what you need to know to set the record straight. I can't be more excited. Thanks again to Dr. Allen. I want to thank you guys for tuning in. Listen, please share the show. We're just trying to get the word out there. And man, oh man, is it going to be a team effort. All right. Until next time, everybody, get out there, have some fun, stay safe, and get better. We'll talk to you next time right here on Crush Performance. And Crush Performance. And- Goodbye now. Don't forget to ride. I'm Jerry Petock, CEO of Radio Influence. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you for downloading and subscribing to this podcast. There are a lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio Influence that work hard to keep you entertained day in and day out. If you'd like to get involved and advertise on this program, or you have some show ideas that you'd like to see us add to the Radio Influence family, please email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. We all have crazy schedules, so the fact that you took time out of your busy day to let us entertain you for a while means a lot. Without you, the listeners, we wouldn't exist. So thank you again for downloading and subscribing to this show. Don't forget to check out RadioInfluence.com to see what other shows we also have to offer. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com. Radio Influence.